Welcome to Good Business, a launchpad podcast that goes behind the scenes of entrepreneurs who put people, planet, and profit at the forefront of their mission. Hi, my name's Chris Edwards, and I'm the founder of The Honeycombers, which is a digital media business in Asia, and more recently, the founder of Launchpad, a community of conscious entrepreneurs. Today's conversation is a super juicy conversation. I am joined with Cyan, who is the CEO of Waterbomb. And we talk about all many, many facets of business, including inheriting a business that his dad founded, how to create a powerful culture and what he's doing on his own sustainability journey. And the biggest nugget of gold I really enjoyed from today's chat was talking about how Bali is changing and what we can do as business leaders to support an ever-evolving society. All right, let's jump into it. I'm so intrigued with your story. And from what I understand, I mean, it started with being conceived in Bali And then you grew up in Bali, but you spent some time in Europe, but your father created the very famous Waterbomb Park. I presume it has so many happy memories for so many people you meet. I mean, I have lots of happy memories at Waterbomb. You started working there at 13 and eventually became CEO. So maybe you can just share with me how was that experience or when did you know that you were going to take over your father's business and run Waterbomb? I didn't know until I actually started working here because it was never obviously insisted in in working in the family business. In fact, before I even started working there, I didn't want to work in the business just because I I had that chip on my shoulder, so to speak, and, and didn't want to go into it. But then I realized that a job at Waterbomb is essentially making people happy, like you said, and and I started enjoying it, getting into it. Um, when I started working at 13, I, I, I did jobs in every department, so I understood the dynamics and all the layers that came across with working at a park, and then I started getting ideas in my mind, and then when I started getting ideas, and I'm like, well, how would I implement these ideas? And then that organically built into, I guess, my, you know, a thought that, hey, I think, I think this is it, because I went through an entire journey of, of what do you want to do when you grow up? And um, yeah, I, I did other jobs and then it came around full circle. Huh, it's so cool. And I, I can totally relate to that feeling of like you wouldn't initially want to go into the family business because, you know, you want your own identity and you there's nothing worse than people assuming like you're going to follow your father's footsteps. And, and I can imagine it's changed a lot since you joined the business and you've yeah. won some, yeah, maybe you can share with me what are the, some of the changes and growth that you've, you're most proud of at Waterbomb? When I first started, there were about, just from a, the, the easiest one, the lowest hanging fruit, I guess you'd say, is it started with when I came in, there was about 14, 13 slides and now we're north of 26 slides. So that is one thing. Uh, we just extended the park. So that, and then of course, sustainability, um, that, that is now in full force as well. So it's great to see, you know, these changes and being able to be an agent of change in doing so. And like I said, in, in, in the last question, it's the chip on my shoulder because I had to really go out and prove that this was just not going to be a given or, or handed to me. And 
And my father felt the same way too, which is why he was insisting that if I ever came late or I had to try and do every single job, that I would face you know, the same sort of consequences as anybody else. <laughs> and were there challenging moments there? I want to talk about the sustainability piece, but I'm just intrigued. I imagine initially people would be a little bit like, well, it's easy for Cyan. He's the boss's son. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have some moments like that? All the time. Still today. Still today. I mean, more when I was uh, younger. And then also the optics of like for the staff and the other members of the team, you know, I really had to, it was good for me for, for character building, that's for sure. And to try to block out all that noise and so that people, you know, will eventually understand that I wouldn't succeed anyway, regardless of if you're the boss's son or not, if I didn't have the drive, the passion and the love for, for what I was doing, right? That's for sure. And in fact, I still wouldn't be here today if, if that was the case. So yeah, I'm grateful for that in a way, because that has molded and shaped, you know, the path of my career, so to speak. Mm, that's a, a really positive spin on a, I suppose, a unnecessary evil when you get gifted an opportunity like you have. But yeah, I'd love to talk more about Waterbomb. I know we interviewed you on Honeycomber's Local Legends recently, and you've won a lot of massive accolades for the park. And we asked you what your biggest accomplishment was, and you said it's the culture. And I thought that was pretty, pretty damn cool. So yeah. can you talk to me about that? Share with me what you mean. Well, the accolades and all of these awards wouldn't come with, without the fabric of Waterbomb. And the fabric of Waterbomb, one of the strongest fabric, is culture. Culture binds us together. Culture moves us in the same direction. Culture creates a world of its own. Culture sets a tone, an identity. It sets values and so forth. So being able to instill a culture and being able to use that and carry that is the key to success. Because the key to success is essentially not just the products. Anyone can buy fiberglass and, and put it on a plot of land. It's all the things that go beyond that. And it starts with the people, right? And uh, we are on a ship together heading the same direction. And I have to guide that ship, right? But everyone has their part. And uh, without culture, mm, it'd be lost in the middle of the ocean, metaphorically speaking. And Sian, what have you done to guide that path? What have you done to create the culture? It starts with communication. It starts with setting a bar, setting an example, empowering the team and linking, having some sort of, of connection with what exists in Bali. So for instance, we push on sustainability and sustainability actually is embedded in a philosophy called Trihita Karana, where there's harmony among the environment, people and, and spirituality, whatever the individual believes in. That was a bridge for people to understand, okay, this is what water bomb is. It's not just an object or a product. It's something beyond. And having frequent communications, you know, movie sessions, um, getting together, communicating, treating each other like family to some degree, the good and the ugly times, and then standing up for each other is a huge part of culture. For instance, with the, during the pandemic was a, a prime example of that, is that, hey, we're, we're in it together, and that solidified the bond, right? And um, then there's an expectation and, and a standard that happens in culture, right? And, and that seeps in slowly and organically or naturally. Mm, sorry, how do you say it? Trihita? Trihita karana, yeah. Trihita karana. Yeah. And that's a Balinese philosophy? 
Yes, it is. They were going to use it in um, APAC because this it's a very simple philosophy, but essentially it's about harmony. And a lot of governments, countries, private sectors could use that as, as a platform because essentially that's so important for, for us to coexist and, and to thrive. And so how did, you, how did you learn about this philosophy and how did you embed it into Waterbomb? Things just fell to place, really. But <laughs> we were getting these awards when I first started. And the Trihita Karana, they give out awards yearly. And then I was like, okay, well, great. We won a gold and great. We won, you know, an emerald and, and, and whatever award system they had. But I said, what actually are we winning? <laughs> and then I got into it and I'm like, oh, wow. And it's very local. It's, and I was like, oh, this is actually quite special. And it can resonate. And it's actually something that already exists in the park, but hasn't been communicated or put on, on a platform. Mm-hmm. And then I pieced them together. And then, like I said, it resonated with, with, with the community at Waterbomb, with the team. And I just took that and, and, and drove with it because it's simple but beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's very insightful and clever to actually have a Balinese philosophy at the center point of your business as opposed to, you know, I suppose a more Western approach or a more, I imagine most of your staff are Balinese, right? So you're talking to them in their language and you're leaning in on the beautiful Balinese culture that exists, right? But you're highlighting how important it is, that harmony piece. It's very clever. Yeah, very smart. So tell me, I'd like to learn more about the sustainability aspect. So was there a moment that you had where you were like, hang on a second, we can't keep operating the same way? Yeah, um, just it's it's a personality thing, uh, number one. And when you know, my father started the, uh, this company. He decided to not cut a tree. In fact, the land that we were that we're on right now was just a coconut grove, right? And then, um, so the slides were custom made around the trees. And so, I remember him, you know, at home talking about it, and then using the first changing from chlorine to salt chlorination, which was a little bit less harsh, and so forth. And on top of that, my whole growing up in Bali was nature-based. I mean, in the playing in the rivers or surfing in the oceans or, you know, having sand fights or climbing mountains, whatever it was. It was like, and I really was in love with, with that, you know, and there's no doubt, you know, despite admittingly wanting to go to a movie theater once in a while and getting a new pair of Jordans. So I'm a nature boy, true and true nature boy. So those two components ended up connecting and that becomes me, so to speak. And then towards the 2000 to 2008, I started seeing changes in Bali and I was very sensitive to the change. A lot, <laughs> now it's completely drastic. And I'm like, hmm, how can we use this platform that we're in and be like a water park that is sustainable to keep Bali at least live, you know, in symbiosis or in in some level of consciousness by operating a business but doing it in with the environment in mind and like the Trihita Karana award we're getting these cert- certified award for being like gold standard or whatever it was for for environment but i felt guilty because i felt that it was it's it was essentially a certificate in a plaque 
And I was like, no, there's no substance to it. Let's, let's go. Let's do it. Let's be vulnerable. Let's fall. Let's make a mistake. So then I started looking at all the data and all of it, like all our water data, our energy data, our waste data. And I'm, I was guided through it. Um, I engaged with, you know, specialists. And then I was able to see ho- everything transparently, like, wow, this is the amount of water we can, we're using. This is the amount of energy we're using and so forth. And I'm like, okay, let's set benchmarks. We're going to do this and we're going to reduce this. And then like almost like a business plan whereby you invest accordingly to the business and the projections of the business to operate as sustainable as you can. So that's just in a nutshell what was done. Yeah, cool. And do you feel like um, your visitors care about your sustainability activities or do you feel like they're on holidays, they're coming to a water park and it's it's more for yourself and your staff and your team to feel good about what you're doing or do you feel like the... I'm really interested because I feel like we are going through a great awakening of sustainability, but yeah, yeah I'm interested to know what are you saying? Uh, yeah, we have to be very honest with ourselves. People come here to go slide. <laughs> that is the primary motivator to go to water bomb. Going sliding in in a business that is a bit more conscious is a bonus. It's brand cred. I know what it is. But yeah, it's more for us as well. And the idea is even if there's one person comes in and realizes it, that's a win for us. The idea is that other businesses down the road or across the ocean see it as a hey, if water parks can do this we can do it too. So to be motivators, it's not just to pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, we're, we're superheroes. No, we got to use the platform. I mean, now we're, we've got these accolades, like you said earlier, like, okay, so how can we pay it forward, not just hold the gold medal? Maybe I've got some listeners who've not been to Waterbomb. I probably should have done this at the outset. But how many visitors do you have to the park you know, on a regular basis? I mean, it peaks uh, during certain seasons. But if we were to average it out throughout the year, it'd be a, a little bit over a thousand people a day. A thousand people a day. So it's yeah. quite a large audience, really, like 30,000 mm-hmm. people a month. It's yes. quite wild. And, it, you know, it is the biggest water park that's been there the longest and it's a bit of an institution uh, and a rite of passage <laughs> for, um, for kids so. and for parents and for Bali holidaymakers. I also imagine that during your time in Bali, you would have seen, and my business in Bali has been there for 13 years, we've seen enormous change. Yeah. I'm sure you would have seen even greater change living there and, I'm curious, how do you feel about, like, I suppose the rapid growth and, yeah, I suppose there's just been so many tourists since COVID. Like, it's really exploded a little bit. Are you feeling that in in your business? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, This is a a sensitive topic for me, I have to be honest with you. That's a, what I see in what's happening in Bali, I mean, like, that drives me more on the sustainability front, by the way, which once again, if I have to twist it, I mean, like now it's pushing me more to be an agent of change because I can. But yeah, since COVID, uh, as some parts of Bali, I don't even recognize, uh, to be honest with you. I, uh, behind closed doors, I have my own uh, internal rants that happen in my, in my mind. <laughs> and it's pr- quite brutal. I'm worried. 
but I'm optimistic in the long run. I choose to be optimistic in the long run. <laughs> and I, I can see that, I suppose I didn't go to Bali for during COVID. I live in Australia yeah. and it would have been, maybe there was a four year or three year gap and I was just amazed by how rapid the change has been. So, but what's the answer? Like, you know, how do we make sure that Bali continues to be a great place to visit? And, you know, I think it's, it is in part leaders like yourself leading the way in sustainability. But, you know, the stats around what tourists create in terms of rubbish, you know, like it's really scary. What's the way forward? If you could wave your magic wand, what would be the, the things you'd like to see? Bali needs a vision and an identity. As simple, like let's let's go broad first. Uh, mm-hmm. What we did on a micro level at the company, in terms of what I was saying, company culture, we need to bring that back. Bali needs its its roots back. The island of the gods, what it prioritized before, doesn't mean that you know people can't thrive economically and so forth. But it needs a vision. It needs not. Let's not be. You know, we don't necessarily need to be the next whatever, Ibiza or, or Phuket or whatever, comparative as it is. Bali needs to still be what made it special in the first place, this, this, this magical island that is so culturally rich that, that essentially praises the energies uh, from trees to animals. To, what is it? And, and so I think if we start with the vision and then we really need to get it into the hearts of the people so it doesn't lose itself for the next generation not to know what Bali once was, right? It starts with that. But then you have to break it down into like little pieces. Then we're talking about policies. Then you have to talk about how does it implement itself into the laws? And then it goes down and down and down. It's so easy just to, it's not, as, it's not just like, hey, let's put a recycling plant over here or a desalination plant over here. It starts with like, what is its values, its mission? And that needs to be embedded. And from then, you'll have little ele- like elements piece by piece that you can start fixing. Mm. And tell me, coming back to Waterbomb, what have been some of the big lessons that you've seen in your sustainability journey that you could share with other entrepreneurs, you know, that are, are like, I suppose, on the, on the cusp or thinking about how can I make my business more sustainable? What have been some of the learnings that you've had? First of all, sustainability is, is it's not a destination, right? It sounds cliche. It's, it's a journey. And everyone has their own pace and their own journey based on the resources that the business can offer. We have to understand that. But as long as you take steps, whether it's baby steps or, or giant leaps, that's the first thing. So don't measure yourself based on the successes or what others are doing. That's just a general approach to it. Then as you go on this like journey and, and, and you look and you break down all the components, you can start simply like we, what we do, waste, energy, and, and, and um, water. Look into them, you know, from changing your appliances, simply put, you know, from taps to push button taps. And then measure your results. Look at data. And then don't fear failure. We highlight when we are below our benchmark. We, we show that we are still like humans, so to speak. And, and, and don't be discouraged by it. You're still doing a good thing, right? And keep on growing. But don't stop. That's the thing. It's not like, hey, 
Now we have this, we're done. No, 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 no. It doesn't stop because you have innovation come, you have technology coming that's going to benefit you. Cost of technology and innovation for sustainability is going to come. So you're buying time at the same time. And it's quite important. Don't be discouraged. And also for businesses, we have to understand that not everyone is motivated or has like that, that environmental care naturally in their souls. But you can attach sustainability to your cost savings in your business. And that will motivate one person, a person one way or the other, is that, hey, you reduce, it makes sense, right? You reduce X amount of energy, you're spending less on energy costs, mm. right? And you're not abusing the resource of energy. So they all work hand in hand. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a really good point around reducing the energy costs. So I, I presume you've got solar there as well. Is that something that you guys are doing? Yeah, we have solar. Solar energy, I mean, like it, it helps. We, ha- we are in an island, so we do get a lot of sunlight. I just wish it could absorb more en- energy given the amount of space it uses. That's my only, if I had to nitpick something on solar. But the solar energy needs to be like matched with other energy policies, right? You know, from the air conditioning types that you use to making sure people don't turn off, turn on the lights in the midday when you, well, we're mostly water parks who are outdoors, but for the office space, these kind of things. I'm buying time with solar energy so that hopefully there's a new solar technology that absorbs more energy. Yeah. So for your costs, it's energy and water. They're probably what some of the biggest costs in your business. Yes. Energy and water is definitely um, one of the biggest. Waste, uh, we do have you know, waste, but it's not nothing compared to, to that. But the thing with our water right now is that they're also ha- hand in hand because our water moves, right? It moves up the tower, down the slides, into the rivers and in cycles. So it's a double-edged sword because the water that's actually, you're using energy to move the water, but the, uh, you need that ener- the water to be moved so that it can be a closed circuit system. So you can reuse the water. So it's, it's yeah. like, that's 22 really. But um, so now we're trying to find like, for instance, more efficient pumps and, 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 and drives to, to push the water, make sure that there's no leak because it leaks so that when the water we use is like trying to be like as minimal waste as possible, except for evaporation and other forms. But yeah, symbiosis. Yeah, cool. And what, besides reusing water and using solar, what are some other initiatives that have really moved the needle? Maybe some practical things that you've done that you could share that will help people think about what their own businesses. Data is, was a huge thing. So um, being having water meters helps just, just to, it's more of a preventative approach because, you know, with pools, you, you, there are leaks, there are certain things. Obviously, check all your appliances. There are energy appliances from your toilets you use, your, your taps, your showers. All of these things are, are basic components that you can use in, in your own business or even your own homes, right? And then composting, you can do that as well. So you start with that. But then you, if, if you get into it, then you go into a wormhole and there's a lot of information out there that can help. Yeah, I think the measurement's very, very interesting. It's a very good point. And yeah, like starting with the data is a really smart place to start. I wanted to ask you just to kind of wrap up, what would you like entrepreneurs around Southeast Asia to be really thinking about? Like if you had a message for them from what you've learned running Waterbomb and your sustainability journey, 
what would you like people to kind of apply in their own businesses? Wow. Apply in their own businesses. It's more about, once again, celebrating somehow the challenges and, and not being discouraged by them. Simply that, you know, that. And, and, and having desire and having a vision and not being discouraged by the naysayers out there. I mean, we're a water park and I was able to pledge to be net zero by 2033, a water park. So it is possible. You just have to kind of shut your ears off to the people that try to doubt, basically. Oh, I love that. I love that. Shut the doubters out. I feel like the message is really to believe anything's possible if you're yeah. passionate about it. I think that's a really lovely note to end on. I'll ask you one last thing just to round out. What are you most proud of? And, you know, you did say culture when Honeycomb has asked you, but I want to throw it to you. <laughs> if there's an, if there's this one other thing, what are you proud of? Well, you know, the, the easy one is the, where, where the sustainability accomplishments, but it's also watching your team grow. I really like seeing, like, for instance, our, our, our eco-champion right now, he started off as, you know, a, the guy moving the tubes. And there is, like, for me, that's a, that's a mirror of success is just empowering others and, and getting them on board. That's, like, that's a super win, that you are able to trust someone to carry their baton and, and being able to help them or take them there. That's, that's a super win. Oh, I love that. Sam, it's been absolutely a delight to jump into Waterbomb for, you know, half an hour and to learn about what you're doing and to hear your vision. You are like a true leader on the Thank island of the so gods. Much. And I'm, yeah, really grateful Thank you. Thank for your you. time. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. Well, pleasure doing this interview as well. What a wonderful conversation that was with Sayan. I wanted to share my key outtakes from that chat. I think the first one really is the power of culture. And I think Sayan has been really, really clever to really, I suppose, harness the local Balinese culture and put it at the center of his business and leadership style. I also really loved what he said about the power of having a clear vision and believing passionately about your vision and mission and really shutting the doubters out and not being discouraged by the naysayers. But yeah, really being driven with a clear mission. And he brought that into really my big question, which he, he, he really struggled with, which is a challenging question, which is about the future of Bali. And I liked his answer was that actually as a community and a society, we actually really need a vision of where we're going. And that is what Bali needs and is really struggling with at the minute. And then finally, I thought it was really great to hear him talk about his sustainability journey and for anyone who's thinking about what they can do in their own sustainability journey. And that is to start with the data. So collecting data on your impact. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you found this episode helpful or 
enlightening or really engaging, please share it. Share it with a friend or share it on your socials. Pop it on LinkedIn. Tell me what you thought. I'd love to know if it really, what I'm hoping is it inspires you and makes you think about your business and really helps you to create a business that is a good business for not just you, but also for the people around you and for the planet. Finally, if you're interested in joining a community of conscious entrepreneurs, please come and check out Launchpad. Have a look at www.thelaunchpad.group. And finally, before I close out, I just want to acknowledge that this interview was recorded in Bali and also in Byron Bay on the traditional owner's land of the Iraqwal people of the Bundjalung Nation. And I pay my respects to elders past, present and future. And I extend my respects to all traditional cultures. Thanks again for tuning in to Good Business. My name's Chris Edwards, and I hope that this interview leaves you as inspired as I am to start or to grow your own good business.